This podcast is produced by NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a retiree and a volunteer working and helping out with communications and other issues with Chapter 49. Our second attempt on uh, producing a podcast, our first one, I think, got a great response. Many people listened. We thank you for listening. And if you think it would be of interest to others you know, please spread the word. Once again, we're talking with Duncan Giles, president of NTEU Chapter 49. And um, Mr. Giles, we certainly do live in interesting times, do we not? It, it certainly is. Uh, you know, with, I usually say, if you don't like Indiana weather, wait 15 minutes, it'll change. If you don't like the way that the service is doing something right now, wait about a half an hour and that guidance will change as well. Well, you've been right there to watch it, so you would know as well as anyone. So that brings me to the first issue we can talk about. What I would like to present to you to start this, and we'll fill in some blanks later, uh, just a general question to you. How would you evaluate the state of the workplace as of today, at the moment we're talking, for those people that are represented by NTU Chapter 49? Uh, the state of the workplace is all over the place. And I say that because some people, uh, the field folks, um, are doing very well with the ability to telework. Um, the call site folks right now, it's a little bit of a uh, rough start to uh, telework. And we don't know. The, there's been a lot of conflicting information on when people might go back. Uh, at this point, I don't anticipate that happening very soon with regular teleworkers. But again, that could change in a half an hour. <laughs> well, you mentioned the call center. So let's, uh, let's start there because there's still a lot of confusion there. The last, and again, I appreciate you because I, I help with communications. You keep me in, in, in the, the information loop. And there's been some recent back and forth of the fact that there are laptop computers being distributed to people who who are going to be working telework. I should put it that way, and you can fill that in later. But people have some people have laptops, some do not. Uh, but even the ones with laptop computers to to do the work in, at the call center still do not have headsets. A rather important piece of equipment. And meetings are being scheduled for some employees where they really cannot communicate well without that headset. So uh, that's just a, a few of the headlines. Fill in the blanks. What is happening with this whole move toward bringing the toll-free system back up on May the 11th? What they're trying to do, <clears throat> I'm guessing, and again, you have to guess because there's not a lot of clear guidance or absolutes here on what they're doing from the top, but they want to get as many people on the phones as possible, which is understandable. They're getting an awful lot of calls, not just on refunds or balance dues or things of that nature that we normally take care of, but the questions out there on the stimulus have just got to be overwhelming. So they're trying to get everybody on the phones. Part of that being on the phones for those that are telework, and we've been trying to get uh, CSRs, the folks in answer calls and the call sites, to be able to take calls on telework for years. And so now they're rushing to do it. You know, there were all sorts of issues. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Pilots were taking years. And all of a sudden, now they can turn on a dime and do it. But they're missing a few essentials. Like you said, headsets. 
that usually helps when you're trying to talk to somebody on a phone. Having a headset so you can hear them clearly and they can hear you is a pretty big help when you're answering phone calls. So it's, it's just a matter of trying to get everything organized in a rush. And I understand it's a pandemic and I understand that we don't have this situation happen ever in our lifetime before. Got that. But there are some parts of the organization that deal well with change and there are others that don't deal well with it at all. And I'm afraid that the latter is uh, winning the winning the battle right now. So at this point, I'm sure that the employees are talking to each other. We have social media, so people are communicating on a regular basis. And based on the traffic that I have seen on information, some employees are getting different messages. So again, we'll, we'll give you, uh, once again, we'll give people your contact information at the end of this podcast. But who sh- should the people working in these call centers, who should they be listening to? What guidance should they be following? If It doesn't matter whether you're an agent in LBNI, a clerical person in SBSE, an employee of the call site, anybody that we represent, the best thing to do, the first best thing to do is listen to your manager. Now, your manager may or may not have the best of intentions and very little information. Feel free to contact myself. I'm here, and that's what I'm here for, to help employees. That's what the chapter's here for. I'm here working specifically to make sure employees are getting what they need, getting the information they need, and getting the straight story. So don't be, you know, I'm I'm hearing more and more different rumors that end with we're going for the jade monkey at midnight, but (laughs) gone through so many different hands that it gets to be rather infuriating trying to put out the rumors rather than just uh, coming and getting the straight story right from the start. All right. So, of course, we'll give give out your uh, contact information once again at the end of the podcast. So listen to your manager. If you're a little not sure about that, contact NTEU and uh, and and uh, if anything it's uncomfortable or you feel it might not be right, obviously, contact NTEU and, and we'll take care of, of what uh, needs to be done in terms of representation or just working out a problem. Now, we talked about the call center a lot, but I want to move away from that for just a moment because uh, we are seeing the service – beginning to make moves at reopening offices with volunteers. So what I would like for you to do as best you know it, and there may be many where there's not much to say, but uh, people work throughout the state of Indiana for uh, the IRS and represented by Chapter 49, kind of go through each, even the small offices, all the different offices uh, that uh, IRS employees, uh, where they reside in their POD. And you could start with Indianapolis. Has anything changed there? Uh, nothing has changed in any of the PODs. And I'd like to take them as a group because All right. of some information that we've had. Uh, when they're talking, people are going, well, the state or the county has given out this deadline. We should stay at home, you know, through May 11th, through May 15th, things of that nature. We are not under those rules. Because we're federal employees, we, under the IRS, we are guided by what our HCO folks, our human capital office says. So even though the state may say, okay, you're staying home, that doesn't apply to us. 
Now, what we're being told is that they're going to be coming out with a playbook. And if that, that phrase doesn't scare you, a playbook, I don't know what will. Because they're going to do this nationally in a coordinated way. So that playbook so, may, may or may not win the game is what you're saying. That playbook may or may not be in English. It may be in Esperanto. It may be in Klingon because everybody is going to be different. And how they're going to do a coordinated opening nationally, uh, it's, it's almost like, well, you know, it's sort of spherical but rectangular. Okay, it's one or the other. Are we doing this nationally? Are we doing this regionally? Are we doing this locally? I would expect that um, the vast majority of PODs in Indiana would be opening when they do at the same time. How long is that in the future? We don't know. The main issue for, quote, opening offices is going to be, is there a tech uh, walk-ins? And if there is, because uh, we don't know when those folks are going to be coming back, because face-to-face -face contact, I think, is going to be one of the last things that the IRS is going to be requiring in the longest out. So we just don't know when. Have not heard a thing on that yet. We know they want to do phone contacts as much as possible, whether you're in the field, whether you're in the call site. They want to get people able to talk to people, but not face-to-face. -face. So... There's just a lot of information that we don't know. We are pushing to keep the telework as uh, modified as we can get so that folks can remain at home, sheltered, as long as they feel comfortable. Will that go towards the end of the summer, the end of the fall, the end of the year? All of that's a big unknown right now. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure the IRS as a whole knows yet. So what you're saying is that whether you uh, work out of Evansville, Merrillville, Fort Wayne, and there are much, many more offices that are smaller, uh, when you go back, it's probably going to be an edict for the nation coming out of the HCO office. Is that what I'm hearing that, you say? Correct. That would be correct. Wow. So <laughs> so there is no uh, – that one size will definitely fit all when that happens, and at this time, this playbook you speak of is simply being developed, and no one has really said anything about what it might say at this point as far as communicating with NTEU, I would assume. Uh, that would be safe to say. I'm probably not even supposed to know there is a, quote, playbook, unquote. Uh, but I've been diligent in trying to figure out what's going on and using every source that I have, and that's how I found out about that. Well, I mean, the, the fact that the management has got to be putting something together is no secret, whether they call it a playbook or not. They've got to be thinking about how that works out. And and I want to, and in that regard, um, you uh, shared a story with uh, a number of people involved with the local chapter dealing with the Kansas City campus. Now, IRS has closed a number of the big campuses, but KC is one of the bigger ones, and it still is open. What Tell us what you learned about what happened there this week. Well, Kansas City uh, Service Center opened back up on Sunday with volunteers. I say volunteers, but I apparently it's sort of like the old Army volunteers. Apparently, some were more volunteered than others, depending upon the number of people they got that raised their hands and uh, the number of people they needed for specific functions. So they opened that back up on Sunday. 
then I see today um, that they have, yesterday and today, apparently they've had at least one employee show up that was either COVID-19 positive, had the symptoms, or had been in contact with uh, people who had had confirmed cases of COVID-19. So they had to shut the whole thing down and send everybody home. So they're going to take uh, some time to clean the campus, which is going to cost hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Well, that's a big campus. If you're, if you're exactly. closing the whole thing down and then on top of that, cleaning everything, that has got to take some time. And you, you're right, that's tremendous expense. So we don't know any more details except there was enough of a, a danger that co- a coronavirus could, uh, the novel coronavirus could spread that the, the campus was completely closed down, Correct. Correct. That is the information that I got from the chapter uh, 66 over in uh, Kansas City that uh, that they have done that. And, you know, there was a lot of information going around there. Once they reclosed the campus, they told people who had showed up at the campus that they had to take their own leave. And that is absolutely incorrect. Oh, no. So they closed the office and everybody has to take leave because the service closed the office. Yeah, and oh, that's boy. that was part of the uh, FAQs that happened right when they first came out. Again, a lot of confusion that has gone on about this just because it's such an unknown experience. But that's bad advice, and we make sure that that's not going to happen. That's one of the reasons that one of the things that have been pushed both nationally and locally, big by myself, is a lot of places like hospitals um, and big companies are now taking people's temperatures when they go in and when they leave to make sure they don't have a higher temperature so they might not, um, you know, be infecting other people. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Are we able to tell if they have COVID-19 just by temperature? Of course not. But it's something to make sure it's a little bit more insurance for fellow employees. Right now, the IRS is saying, no, we have no plans of doing it. It's basically relying on a self-check. To that, I say, here's Exhibit A, the Kansas City Service Center, on how well that works. Yeah, and the scary part of this that bothers me, when I hear a story like that, the way you've uh, been able to uncover the facts uh, as to what's happening in Kansas City, Today, I was uh, I just had a cable news network on in the background as I was doing something else, and they were interviewing one of the premier doctors in America on this subject. And uh, the news uh, interviewer just said, what, what scares you the most about this? And he said, the asymptomatic nature of so many people. So I can't remember a time we've had uh, uh, any kind of virus this communicable, easily communicated from one human being to another. And so many of them, as many as half, although nobody's know for sure, nobody knows for sure, as many as half are asymptomatic. So taking the temperature might catch some people who might be in the early stages of symptoms. But if you're asymptomatic, meaning you show no symptoms, you know, you could be spreading it everywhere. And that uh, I think that's the scary part of this. And, and I think that's the part that... Um, makes it difficult for all of us to figure out how do we how do we ramp things up and go back to work as we did before that's one of the big complicating factors so what i'm hearing you say is that 
when we have situations like Kansas City and then a lot of misinformation gets spread because people uh, didn't expect it to happen and then all of a sudden, whoa, look at, look at what we have here. I would expect that, you know, this is tough on the service and the employees. This, this is something where the union has to be involved in, in making sure that this works for everyone. I'd, I'd like a few of your comments on that. I, you couldn't see me because, of course, we're physically separated. Um, but I was nodding my head. You're, you're exactly correct in your points. I could have COVID-19. You could have COVID-19. We just don't know. We could be carriers with no symptoms whatsoever. So it behooves everybody, whether it's personal, business, uh, the service, whoever, to make sure they take every step they possibly can to make sure that they are not, you know, ramping the curve back up again. And in ODs, you know, it's going to be tough to socially distance. In call centers, it's going to be tough to socially distance. There are a lot of posts of duties that we have, uh, most of the posts of duties that we have, that it's going to be fairly easy for people to uh, be socially distanced, especially if they let the vast majority continue to telework and not have to come in. But we just need to make sure that everybody is doing everything possible. You know, I feel great, but I'm wearing a mask when I'm in IRS space or when I am in um, any place that I'm going to be in close quarters with somebody, whether it be a grocery store or something like that, just because of the fact that you don't know, you don't want to take a chance on um, getting something yourself or not realizing that you're possibly infecting someone else. Yeah, I was at Costco today, and it's amazing uh, what they have done in terms of those those plastic dividers where you are divided from the checkout people. And you only, I mean, you don't even really make contact. You just show your little card. They they scan it, and then you scan your own credit card. And, and uh, even the uh, the receipt goes through a little hole in the plastic. So I think when it comes to walk-in offices, the IRS is going to have a challenge as getting those back up and running. So uh, just to, to clarify one thing, uh, based on what I heard you say, and please you know comment further, Chapter 66 in Kansas City has only been told that the cleaning is ongoing and, and there's no target date at this point for Kansas City to reopen. Am I understanding that correctly? I believe that they just came out with one. There's been a lot of conflicting information coming out of there. And uh, from everything I've seen from the chapter, They've done a great job of trying to organize the information as it comes out. I think they have been given a date to go back. I unfortunately do not have it in front of me. I want to say it's either the 11th or the 18th. So it's it's going to be days from now. That's, yes. Okay. Yeah. So this, at least the management didn't bring everybody back quickly. They saw that, that they don't want this to happen again. I think that's the big lesson you learn from that. And Hopefully that, you know, you're as careful as you can be, but the nature of the the virus, I should say the virus, is just difficult. Now, there are people who are volunteering to come into offices, and they're eligible for a 10% bonus in their pay. Talk about who is eligible for that. Yeah, this was part of the one of the last uh, COVID-19 packages that passed Congress, and it talked about for any federal employees that come in, that are not able to telework. If you're able to telework, even if you choose not to, if that's your situation, um, 
if you're able to telework, you're not eligible for this 10%. And in some cases, um, with the lower paying uh, graded jobs in service centers, it could be up to 25%. It is for two pay periods that we've just found out that you get a 10% pay bump for two pay periods if you volunteer to come in early to someplace in Indiana, it would be for our folks in the Indianapolis call site. You know, I've had revenue agents and revenue officers saying, hey, I'd like to have the 10% and I'll come into the office a couple of days a week to do that. Unfortunately, per the statute, they're not able to get that because they are able to telework. All right. So it's a limited number of people who would be eligible. And I'm assuming that if you are eligible, someone will let you know is is my guess there. So sure. Uh, let's go ahead. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're laughing when I say that. I, I, it was only half a punchline, but I, I did get a laugh out of that one. But so I really, I think uh, if somebody has a question, contact uh, you directly and you can help uh, make that determination. If somebody thinks they're eligible, they're not getting it. Uh, you can investigate that for them. That's now, it. If I don't know, I'll know the people to ask and find out from. Very, very good. Um, most federal workers, uh, unless you're covered through a spouse, are covered by a health plan offered by the federal employee health benefit system. That's the FEHB system that we all know and love as federal employees. I'm sure many people are beginning to wonder now, what if I have to deal with COVID-19, if I have to to deal with the treatment and heaven help us, let's hope this doesn't happen. Let's say you had to be intubated. I mean, that's, that's an expensive uh, care to have. So what do you know about uh, the extent to which the FEHB programs will cover any medical expenses related uh, to COVID, which would cover you or any member of your family that covered under that plan? Yeah, that was uh, very interesting. That just came out yesterday in the, uh, in the frequently asked questions section of the IRS. And basically it says, if you're covered under that, you're going to be not be charged for, you know, testing out of pocket expenses. If there is, once they come up with a vaccine, you're going to be able to get that free of charge as well. So this is something that we thought was, um, I, I thought was, very interesting, and it would be nice if they would do something like, I don't know, advertise it. <laughs> well, they know now from Duncan Giles and our podcast. So people can be rest assured. And that you say it includes any vaccine or any medications that are found, even a, a, as an experiment, I assume that that would all be covered if it is, uh, if it is something that was done through the regular medical system. So Yeah, they, uh, they have to waive, FEHB carriers must waive cost sharing, including deductibles, co-payments, um, medical management requirements for the diagnosis, uh, serological testing, and office visits. In addition, like you said, if a, uh, the wording is, when a vaccine for the COVID-19 becomes available, FEHB carriers must cover them. And that's an important point because if and when, and when there's all kinds of uh, information out there. I think uh, both uh, certain parts of the federal government and some of the pharmaceutical companies are talking it up. But if you talk to the the, the, the experts who are not tied to the, the top of the government and the federal government or not tied to one of the pharmaceutical companies, 
they're very skeptical it's going to happen. But I guess that the reason it's important is if we do, in fact, have an approved vaccine sometime in the future, we don't know how much it might cost. So this will cover that. That's very important for people to know. Big time. Uh, I want to ask, we talked about this last time, but let's dig in a little deeper. Weather and safety leave. I don't know how many people in Indiana are on it. I'm, I'm, I suspect there are several. Uh, talk about when weather and safety leave applies. It's a form of administrative leave. It's not called that. It means you are paid and you are not working through no fault of your own. So talk about when it does apply, when it does not apply, and, and, and also when you do that, address this whole issue of daycare because I know you get a lot of questions on that. Uh, all of the school buildings are closed. Any education going on is done virtually through computers or work assigned sent to your home. So uh, talk about when you are able to qualify for weather and safety leave when you don't and how daycare issues dovetail into that. Weather and safety leave is for exactly um, is one of the few things for the IRS that means exactly what it says. Um, when there's inclement weather, you know, when you've had snowstorms or if you're on, you know, a coast, hurricane, tornadoes, things of that nature, the weather and the POD is closed down. The weather leave covers that. The weather and safety leave covers that. This is the safety part of that. When you have a pandemic and you're not able to telework, you're not telework ready. Basically, they've determined that the work that you do, the job that you have, cannot be done via telework. It doesn't mean whether you have a telework agreement or not. It means are you, does your job qualify? For telework. If it does, you're not going to qualify for weather and safety leave unless that you are doing your job, you run out of work, you contact your manager and say, hey, you need to assign me more work. I'm out. The manager comes back and says, I'd love to do that. I don't have anything to give you. At that point, somebody who is telework able would be put on weather and safety leave. There is no cap on weather and safety leave. People said, well, I've heard there's a cap and it runs out after 40 hours, 80 hours, whatever. There is no cap on weather and safety leave. Now, the point, the question you bring up is, is extremely delicate right now, and that has to do with child care. For folks who have children at home who are scared to death that they're going to either be told they're A, either off um, weather and safety leave, or B, being going to be pulled back into the office off of telework because the offices are, quote, reopening, unquote. Two parts to that. The first part is on those who are teleworking, especially field employees, whether they or uh, people like TAS, I would anticipate and hope that for a long time to come, until we have really flattened this curve, that those folks are able to remain teleworking, that they're not required to come into the office except at a bare minimum if they have to. Otherwise, they should be home. That way, it would also help with the child care. For folks who are not teleworkers, this is going to get to be dicey because the country as a whole and the federal government in particular does realize that there are going to be issues when they start calling employees back to an office 
and they have child care issues because they have school-aged children and the schools are still closed and the child care that they usually go to very well may be closed. The two options that have come up have been the, um, the emergency paid sick leave that's at two-thirds of your um, regular pay, but there's also a cap per day on that. So it may not cover your entire day, and that's only good for two weeks. The other one is going to be things like taking your own leave or leave without pay. And that's, again, if you're called back to go to work. We're working with Congress, NTU, National NTU is working with Congress to try and address this, not just for federal employees, but for employees of any business all over the country who may be falling into this type of issue that what can be done to help them be able to work this child care issue. Right now, we do not have an answer, but contacting your congressperson or if National Treasury Employees Union says, hey, you know, you may want to take an interest in this on your own time, on your own equipment, and contact your representative about this. That might not be a bad thought. Yes, and NTU.org, there's a great area there where you can contact Congress. But Duncan, is, uh, what he just said is very important. You must do this on your own time and your own computer equipment. Do not ever use government equipment. Never do this on government time. But when you're off that, you are totally entitled as a federal employee to contact your members of Congress if you're concerned about the state care issue, which, uh, yeah, as Duncan has said, it's very delicate and needs to be worked out. One last thing before we uh, wrap this one up, Duncan. Uh, most people who are members of NTEU are probably not aware of this, that uh, every NTE chapter is assigned an attorney from the national office, uh, from the field office. We work out of the Chicago office. We've worked with the same attorney for a very long time, but there's been a rotation in the office, so we'll be dealing with a new attorney, which will have an impact on everybody because we get very important advice from those attorneys. Talk about the change that's happening. Yeah, our, our field rep, and these are the people who advise the chapter and are the ones who handle arbitration when we have to take an issue past the grievance stage to an independent third party and arbitrate it. They're the ones who handle that. We've had the same field rep for over 20 years a lady named Ann Dasovic, who does an absolutely fantastic job. Uh, but because of the fact that they've had some uh, shifting around of employees in national NTEU and specifically the Chicago field office, they've had to do some realignment. And so now she's going to be working more with different government agencies than the IRS. So they've reassigned us another attorney in the office. I've known this attorney for at least 15 years. They're very good. Um, but I happen to think, and I've had a lot of experience in dealing with them, a lot of them across the country over the years, that ours was one of the best, if not the best, in the country. And it's it's a big loss for the chapter. And you know, I've gotten to know Ann Dasovic over the years as well. And I just will say, if I'm in a legal dispute, I'd rather have her on my side than the other side. So, <laughs> And uh, I'm sure the, the the new attorney that's been assigned to us will be fine. But it's, it's a key part of how uh, uh, any local chapter uh, is able to serve their members. One last thing, anything you want to bring up? I, I just neglected to ask. We're just about out of time. Yeah, real quickly, again, I want to um, talk a second about the 
Employee Assistance Program, EAP. I, I am a firm believer in this, that if you if you need to talk to somebody, we're, or, you know, this is traumatic for everybody in one way or another. Whether you're home alone by yourself with only your own thoughts to keep you company, or whether you're with a spouse and or family that can sometimes drive you nuts just because you're there with each other in a small space, relatively speaking, for a, such a long period of time, you need somebody to talk to. Under the Employee Assistance Program, every employee is entitled to four free sessions per issue every year. So if you contact them and say that you want to talk, you know, that you know, your family's driving you nuts, you can talk to somebody for four times for free, a, a qualified uh, mental health professional. And they can, that can really help you. There is no shame in doing that ever to reaching out to get help. And so I think that's a very great benefit that we have as federal employees and that anybody who feels the need should absolutely avail themselves of that. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, and plus you get those four visits for that issue, and uh, depending on your health plan, sometimes, not in every case, but sometimes they will cover more visits depending on, on, the, on the specific situation. But you know, Duncan, I've been around so long. I started with the IRS in 1983 before I retired, and I was around when the EAP program was first instituted. And I think management felt, well, they'll have a few people who'll need this help. They didn't know exactly who got the help, but they got a roll-up and were absolutely shocked at the number of people who took advantage of the EAP because they needed that help. So never be afraid to ask for help. I was, I was on a conference call earlier today, and an executive mentioned this, and they said they've, it's benefited them greatly. So it doesn't matter what job you have in the IRS, they can help you. Duncan Joust, thank you very much. Our second podcast in our series, and uh, we hope to uh, do this again next week. Stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you.